Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back to more to it. The show that takes a deep dive into the biggest stories in sports, entertainment, and culture. Start with headline news and then journey to deeper conversations. Always finding those life lessons that are presented in every single story. I'm your host, Marcel Swally. That dude. Oh, man, I got to thank y'all first and foremost for your viewership on Brings TV, Reach TV, and then this bestseller coming your way for Friday Swag Away. Got love for you guys. You got to be a Wally's World member to be eligible, but you're going to get some love from this bestseller. Magic Johnson says so. Bruce Smith says so. And I'm about to say so about this show. So let's start it off with what we always started off with. What's up with that dude? Well, yesterday I gave about an hour and a half, maybe two hours in total of time with the Mount Sac football team, a junior college out here in Walnut, California, uh, better known for his track exploits. Everybody knows about Mount Sac Relays. And I remember those nervous times going to Mount Sac Relays when I actually used to perform, used to be on the track, as well as meeting some of those professional track athletes, my star, my man, Carl Lewis, etc. And now I was there just talking to the football team, man, just really trying to talk to them about perspective and life and sports and how ball is not going to last for anybody forever, but y'all got to get that education, etc. And Project Transition was what powered me to go there, my foundation, and I'm going to be doing a ton of those speaking engagements. Laced them with books as well and just watch kids, you know, light up as you're talking to them and decoding some of the issues they're going through and dropping some gems on them and a couple Wileyisms. So it was an amazing day, man, just to watch the kids really just light up because they realized that somebody believed in them. But as I told them yesterday, the only person that could overrule me in terms of me believing in them is themselves. So they better make sure that they believe as well. So great day yesterday. Um, after that, I went to pick up my, my boy and picked him up from basketball camp. And let me just tell you that both kids, uh, all three of the kids, I should say, but it were two different camps. And the boys in basketball camp had a ball, was burnt. I mean, spent. He must have played five quarters yesterday. I don't know, but he was burnt. And then my girls, they liked their princess camp. And I just watched them just this morning. They're into it, but they want to tap out already. <laughs> they like, dog, 
it's so funny. The little kids, they were like, man, I just want to chill. It's the summer. Can I just relax? Even though it's a fun camp, they still get burnt from even having fun with their friends. But as a parent, you know, you got to keep them in that structure. You got to keep them with some kind of discipline. So all is good in the hood. Now, let's get into this show because all is going to be good for this show, but not a good story to start off with. The Grim Reaper is in Bristol. He's in New York. He's in L.A. And y'all spell it with four letters, E-S-P-N. Man, this is a sad one right here. Layoffs were very disappointing for the former second longest tenured employee, Mike Soltis. But he still is talking that company talk, still thinks the future is bright for ESPN. Let's talk about who he is in case you don't know who he is. So he started with ESPN as an intern and worked his way up to vice president of corporate communications for the worldwide leader. He was with the company for 43 years. <laughs> Longer than most of y'all been living, right? Most of y'all ain't been alive that long. This sucker was there from 1980 all the way to 23. Man, crazy. So earlier this year, the ESPN veteran was included in the first round of extensive layoffs that we know are still ongoing. Matter of fact, I had a phone call with one of the homies who works over there who was saying... He might have to duck as well. And it's a couple cats that have been texting me talking about not sure what's going to happen. So as the anticipation comes from more of the layoffs, it's supposed to happen at the end of June. We are there and going into July. So look for some more prominent names as well to get axed. So his role and his standing with the company allowed him to actually get interviewed about him getting laid off by the same company that he actually goes out there and does the PR for. So this is a wild one right here. So Soltis was asked about the network's future and he actually said some good things. He said, despite us being in the social media age, that ESPN is still doing well in social on Snapchat, TikTok, other platforms. And look, you can say, all right, man, you, you got fired, dog. You ain't got to go. You ain't got to go out there and talk so good about him anymore. But he has no reason to lie at the same breath. So this is a situation that made you say, hmm, maybe he is on to something in terms of ESPN, even though they are laying people off, still having a promising future and obviously still investing in their future with people like Pat McAfee. So for his time at the end of ESPN, he did say some profound things, some interesting things. He talked about how he loved working there. He talked about his colleagues and had respect for him. But he also said it was sad because he looked at the situation where he got fired and others were getting fired. And it wasn't for just what they were doing at the job. He says, look, this wasn't performance based when you talk about some of these layoffs. Here's a quote from him. It still goes back to that basic premise that we're providing sports all the time and people are still looking for sports all the time. When there's a streaming universe and everything else, we've shown that we can do multiple cable channels. We can do broadcasts. We can do streaming. We can do social. We can do all that. So I think that the future is still bright. Okay. Now he said all of that, but at the same time, he was like, man, how do you get laid off for not a production reason? And that's interesting. That's making me think about like, how are they really going through this in terms of criteria of who to lay off? First, we were just thinking later, we'll kind of go mid pack. You don't want to chop off your head, the top dogs. And obviously the bottom ones don't have enough economic impact. So why would you even attack them? But it seems like no matter what your status, 
what your tenure is, you can still get the ax. 43 years. Y'all think this was disrespectful? Or are you just like, hey, I don't care how long you've been there. Because remember, there was a time, I don't know how long it was. Y'all correct me. But it seemed like Chris Berman was gone. And then Chris Berman kind of came back in a different light. And he does a show. It seems like it's a streaming show. I'm not so certain. Um, he still jumps in there for the fastest two minutes or something like that. But even Chris Berman, day one, was out of ESPN, it felt like. So do you agree with him? You agree with Mr. Soltis thinking that the future is still bright for ESPN? What I'm tripping off of is the fact that he even had to pause and say that it seems like they're showing this amount of people the door, not for performance reasons. And that is very disappointing. How disappointing is it? Because imagine you do your job. You ain't the top dog there, but you're doing your damn fizzle. You've been there for 43 years and they tap you on the shoulder and they say it's time to go. But before you go, we want you to talk about us. No pressure. Be nice if you said something nice about us. But what would y'all do in that situation? I know me. I'm going ham 100. I ain't even going to say nothing because I've been in that position before. You know what? My last words were my last words. Thanking you for your viewership on Brings TV and Reese TV and your membership on Wireless World and YouTube. Hey, Friday Swagaway, y'all already know who gonna get this lace. And every time you open up a page, something, something else gonna fall out. Some gifts, some, I don't know, playing cards, something. I'm a lace, y'all, for sure. But let's talk about Antonio Brown as he's trying to flame Tom Brady for his shirtless exit to his NFL career. Interesting. We know how it all ended, right? His last game, <laughs> how can you forget it? He was out there playing in the third quarter and then just took off his jersey and walked off the field. And I don't know if he did the gritty or he threw up the bird. He did a bunch of stuff, but basically we saw how he ended for Antonio Brown at the end of the 2021 season. Now, in that game, the Buccaneers were down 14 points to the Jets late in the third quarter. And that's when he decided it was time to go to the locker room and take it to the crib. Now, it matters that it was the third quarter and down 14 points. I'll get to that later. So they released Brown a few days later. They waited. I don't know why they waited. I mean, <laughs> dude, in the middle of a game, a dude quits. I think he done wrote his ticket. We ain't got to wait no more, but, you know, protocol and PR, etc. right? Probably HR as well. So... Antonio Brown now contends that the team forced him to play as he did right after that. Not exactly after that, but a few days, weeks later, we start hearing the rumblings of, damn, A.B., what was really the problem? It couldn't have been just you were tired of playing football, was it? And he said, nah, they forced him to play through an ankle injury, and he hasn't played since. So he addressed the situation. He was on Tyreek Hill's podcast, It Needed to Be Said, and he stood by the claim that the team expected him to play through injury. All right. I thought that was just the NFL, but let's hear what Antonio Brown got to say about it. He said, we about to play the Jets, and this week I'm really hurt. So I'm taking pictures to the coach like, if we're going to win the Super Bowl, I'm going to need to take these last two weeks of the regular season, at least recover up so I can give you my best. We're here to win the Super Bowl. So the coach, Bruce Arians, was like, hey, man, we ain't resting. Uh-oh. Now we got something here. So Brown said that Tom Brady enticed him to play against the Jets by promising him targets. Okay. Tom called me like, yo, this week, man, the Jets, man, they sweet, man. I'm going to hit you with like 10 to 12 targets. 
So he gonna gas me up. So you know me, that's all I need to hear. Like, yo, you gonna throw me the ball. Okay. It's funny, I was talking to those kids yesterday at Mouse Sack, and I told them that the devil only wears red and comes with a pitchfork the first time. After that, he comes exactly how you want him. <laughs> and the devil, and that ain't Tom Brady, is Antonio Brown's desire, his greed. Oh, you're going to get the rock? So now that's going to supersede you actually having to take care of your body, taking care of yourself. You said you had a stance you wanted to take with the organization, with the team, with Bruce Arians, but all Tom Brady got to do is get you off that stance and say this, I'm going to throw you the ball. And that's enough? Hmm. I can't blame Tom Brady for that. Got to blame AB for that one. So at the time Brown exited the game, he had recorded three receptions on five targets. The previous week, he had 10 catches on 15 targets. Okay. So he was promised 10 to 12, and in the third quarter, you got five targets, right? I think you could double it up, especially when you're down 14 points in the third quarter. He didn't even give Tom Brady enough time to go out there and do what he does. And you know Tom Brady going to dink and dunk it and then try to set you up for the big ball. So that could have been those extra five, seven targets that you were promised. So even that, if you go down that road and that logic, it doesn't make any sense. Let's keep going through this. So Brown described his relationship with Tom Brady as a football relationship in the podcast, saying that he and a former quarterback didn't have much in common besides the game. I think we all kind of knew that before this. While Brown claims he doesn't harbor much ill will towards Brady for not being a closer friend, he still believes Brady enticed him to play while injured. Tom Brady hit me up like, yo, this is a big week. I know my shit fucked up, but if he going to gas me like that, why not? So I dressed up, suited up, and once I got to New York, I already felt that bad energy. He losing me right here. Feeling the bad energy because Tom Brady gassed you up by just basically saying, what's your favorite food? We're going to serve it on Sunday. Ah, that ain't a Brady issue, big dog. So now, nearly 18 months after the issue, Brown still believes the Buccaneers handled the situation poorly. I know. They treated me like I was a dog, he said. Okay. Who hasn't been in this situation before? The one that took the bait and the one that I guess is giving out the bait, right? Look, bro, if I invite you out, but you know that you need to stay home, get your rest or stay home and study for that test, do not blame me when your ass come out. <laughs> like, do not blame me. Tom Brady got a job to do, which is to throw that football, get this team in position to win. Now, he going to come to you like he going to come to everybody because he's like, no, you with us? You in? You down? And if you say, yeah, well, then, yeah, you win. But if you say, nah, I can't, you think Tom Brady going to forget about you? You think Tom Brady, oh, you know what? You're off the team. It's not like that. And A.B. knows it's not like that because A.B. is a future Hall of Famer who had to be selfish at times and show his dedication and commitment to himself first. Ain't no way you get up that mountain like that without sometimes saying, dog, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Whether that's to your friends, to your family, or to your teammates. So in this situation, why did A.B. lose his way? Sounds like he was trying to kiss up to Tom Brady or trying to give the teacher's apple to Tom Brady more so than to himself. Because there's no way you should have prioritized Tom Brady and his request, his demands over what you knew you needed to do. You was going to go to Bruce Arians and say something. You was going to go to the organization and say something. But then Tom Brady says it, the guy you don't have that much in common with, and all of a sudden, you're going to do it. So I don't know. If I'm a receiver with five targets in the game and we down 14 now in the third quarter, 
oh, I'm about to get the rock. We ain't about to run the ball that much. We about to throw this thing out. And with Tom Brady, you know that's a lot of touches because it's a lot of long handoffs or short passes. So y'all believe AB story? Y'all with AB on this one? He's always said, I do believe this. His ankle was messed up. I do believe that just because that's a hard story to not prove. He had the pictures. He had the x-rays. He showed the team, etc. Maybe that's why they did wait those three days to release him. They're like, what are we on the hook for? He did mention it. He did show us, etc. But I think everything that comes from that, after that foundation of, yeah, something was wrong with your ankle, I think this is just a lot of rationalization, a lot of justification for somebody who made a bad decision and who doubled down on dumb and made it even worse. So, A.B., it's all good, big dog. You ain't got to relive this story in the sense of, yo, Tom Brady's the problem. Tom Brady's at fault. Tom Brady's to blame. Just actually, I wish you would have kept it cool with Tom Brady because that's the type of dude that can make it rain for you in other endeavors that you're going forward with. But he's on a different campaign right now with Tom Brady. What y'all think? You think Brady got something to do with this? You think it's all on A.B.? Uh, Y'all think that this is another situation where A.B. is lost, but still should get a chance to be back in the NFL. How y'all think about A.B. right now? Oh, God, let me duck. I know how these comments going to go. Feeling good? Not great because my voice is uh, eh, it's trying to fight back a little bit. It's like, dog, shut up. All right. Well, never shut up. Thank you guys for your viewership on Brings TV, Reese TV, and your membership, Wiley's World, you too. Friday swag away. I'm going to hook you up again. Page 3 going to have something fall out of it. Page 17 going to have something fall out of it. A whole lot of love coming to you on Friday swag away. But you got to be a member. All right. Let's talk about Troy Aikman. Who <laughs> is going at some of the members of this country right now? Because ESPN's Troy Aikman is doubling down, as they say, on the culture war content. Now, I had to read about this one because I didn't know all the backstory of what's going on, but I'm going to take y'all through it. So in May, amidst the ongoing Bud Light transgender influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, I've heard or seen uh, that culture war drama, Troy Aikman wanted to make it clear that his eight elite light beer, didn't even know he had a beer company, y'all knew that, had no agenda and would offer no distractions. I know what you're doing already, Troy. He said, quote, everybody's talking about beer companies these days, but nobody's talking about beer. He said that on his Twitter page. I started eight with the goal of creating a company dedicated to making really great light beer. No agenda, no distractions, just great fucking beer. (laughs) Troy Aikman bought that life. And dog, I think he's living above the law. Troy Aikman can do what he wants to do. So he was still careful not to mention Anheuser-Busch or Bud Light by name, the ESPN broadcaster would go on to say that his beer brand is certainly not trying to be political or part of any debate. That's what he said. But yesterday, however, my man Troy Aikman released another video, this time tapping into the notion that many other beer brands that claim to be American are actually not. (gasps) They're not American, (laughs) unlike his company. So at eight, he says, we believe in truth and authenticity. Oh, you need to sponsor this show then, damn it. Our company is proudly based right here in Texas, and all of our beer is brewed right here in the good old USA. Woo-hoo! So I've got to call it like it is. There are a lot of beer brands out there that are trying to cash in on this holiday by slapping the American flag on their package. <gasps> no. 
regardless of whether or not they are truly American. Damn it, frauds. So this July 4th, drink American, whether it's 8 Beer or any other American-owned beer brand. And on behalf of all of us out here, we appreciate your support. Cheers. Mm. Troy, nobody doing. So Eggman, he remains extremely careful not to mention those other beer brands by name on those companies by name. But you ain't gotta be that smart. It don't take that much to figure out who he's talking about, right? He's alluding to companies like St. Louis Base and Heiser Bush. I stopped there. Did y'all stop there? I was like, St. Louis Base? That's America. Shoot, I ain't gotta go back to school to know that St. Louis is in America which is owned by Belgian multinational company Anheuser-Busch in Bev. Oh, I should have put that together. I never did. So Aikman calls all the games we know on Monday Night Football, and it's a broadcast that let's just say is heavily supported and sponsored by beer companies like, um, you guessed it, Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> so it's unlikely that Aikman's beer company will cause itself any conflicts, but it could get awkward, especially if he continues to take veil shots, throw the rocks and hide his hands at the same companies that ESPN, who has the rights to the Super Bowl in 2026, is charging millions of dollars for commercials and sponsorships. Ah, yo, Aikman, I can see two roads right here. I can see the road ESPN wants to travel and the road Aikman wants to travel. And let's just say they have conflicting interests. Let's say, say that. Why? Because Troy Aikman smells Bud Light. I mean blood in the water. He calling that Bud Light in the water. He like, Derner, Derner. They leaning. They losing billions of dollars because they going all in on agendas. And I am not. Or the only agenda he actually is, is I am American, pure blooded American, right? Now, ESPN's agenda is a little different, right? A little watered down. It's not so much, yeah, we're American and we're proud. We're in Bristol, New York, LA, DC, etc. But we take money from anywhere. <laughs> like, right, we're gonna take this dope from anywhere, including sponsorship from a Belgian brand. All right, so now, what's gonna happen here? See, Troy Aikman. His bet is, look, I rose to the top in football. I rose to the top in broadcasting. Don't let me rise to the top in food and beverage. Don't let me let my light beer rise to the top. Then I ain't going to give a damn about what ESPN is paying me. What ESPN is paying me in a year right now, I'm going to make in a month if I go out there and get this beer where it needs to go. So it's interesting how they're going to be on parallel paths, but sooner or later, something's going to happen. There's going to be contention in the room because ain't no way some multi-billion dollar brand is going to sit there and give you money knowing that it's not one being fully supported or at least at least the whole facade of trying to act like you're down with the brand or two actually taking shots thinly veiled or not taking shots from one of the spokesmen for that same brand when you're covering the Super Bowl when you're covering Monday Night Football. So I see this going on right now. Troy, like, what you talking about? ESPN, like, you know what we talking about. What you say? I don't know what you talking about, Troy. You better chill, chill, bow. And I think at that time, with enough runway, Troy Aikman may be in a place where he'd be like, all right, I ain't got to talk on Monday night no more. Just going to sip one with my new beer brand that's in the bees right there. So what y'all think? Y'all think Aikman's a hypocrite? Says he has no agenda, but clearly he does have an agenda and he's playing the cultural war game. His agenda is pure American. No agenda. That is still an agenda. (laughs) 
What y'all think? His beer company really causing a conflict now or later? How y'all foresee that? I'll be in those comments and check it out. Thanking you for your viewership on Brinks TV and Reese TV and your membership in the wildest world on YouTube. Friday Swag Away. We already know. Who want the book? Everybody. Who got the book? Not everybody. Who gonna get it this Friday? One of y'all. So make sure you're a member to get that Friday Swag Away. All right, y'all. Every now and then something hits me and I'm like, you know what? I think I need to do that, right? A lot of things that hit me actually I don't want to do or I don't even attempt to do because I'm a planner. I'm a guy that reads the manual before I start playing with the gadget. So when you come to me with an idea, my first thought is let's think through this idea. But this one I said, let's think through this as we do this because <laughs> I like this conversation we're about to have. And this segment is called Fuck up some comments, but it's not really F-U-C-K. You know me. I don't curse like that. It's funk up some comments. So yes, it's time to funk up some comments, but y'all could say it like Future did, and which is a whole different animal messing up with those comments. So in this segment, I see a lot of your comments. Obviously, I'm in those comments with you guys because this is a show where we communicate with each other. So for Wiley's World members on YouTube, your comments, you could be as low as just a teammate you could be any tier your comments will be featured in this segment but for today's purpose just because i'm a nice guy i'm gonna mix in some members comments with some non-members comments to entice you guys to join the fun deal deal all right here's the first one and it's a book <laughs> it's from my man hawkins ttv he said we were talking yesterday about rob parker in the hot take boot camp y'all remember that well, here's his comment about it. It would be easy for me to sit here and say, oh, that Rob Parker or that Stephen A. Smith are garbage. Hot take guys who only want to argue and fight all the time and get the last word and how they are right. But to be honest, I think they will be interesting to talk to face to face in person. There's way more nuances and body languages that you would have that will put the perspectives, thoughts and feelings into context way better than watching a recording of them. For example, eye contact is a big one, both listening as well as speaking, because it involves acknowledgement and participation. This dude must be hella smart. So being challenged is one of the ways we can learn. If I hear always agreement, then you don't really consider things from other perspectives. So true. Whether I think they are wrong, it can always be an agree to disagree. Doesn't have to be a hard, you are wrong, I am right, and vice versa, amen. Should never be that way regardless because no one knows everything about everything L-O-L. He's right about that. What I feel about that is that's why in part the spirit of this show is exactly the way it is. It's to communicate. It's to discuss. I'm not coming out here hot taking you guys. I do have strong opinions. I do have strong feelings. They are conveyed. You guys are expressing them as well. I see them in the comments. Now you're going to see them in funk up some comments, right? But the thing about it is, please don't let your ego lie to you like you know it all. And that's why I enjoy to talk with you instead of like I did for 20, 30 years, just talking at you. That's why I keep opening up different ways that we can communicate with each other. Funk up some comments. Obviously, when we get into Wiley's world and our Hall of Fame members that come on, etc. So that was from a member in Wiley's world. Now let's get to some non-members because y'all out there clowning as well. 
Now, a lot of these are about our conversation with Malika Andrews. And a lot of people out there are not feeling Malika Andrews. And let me just get into what I felt about the situation. No, 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 no. Let me not do that because, boy, when I go there, I'm going to go there. All right, so let's listen to my man at RHH3828. He says, I don't mind when people bring it up, but if you are going to do so, bring up his side of the story. Interesting. He was DDing, I guess drunk driving, and the guy left the gun in the car, and when he asked for it back, Brandon returned it, like any of us would if we got the call that someone else's gun was in our car. He had no idea what it would be used for, as proven in the text messages. Every time mainstream media talks about it, they just say he delivered a murder weapon with no context. F reporting. Hmm. That is a real one. I, I, I will say that because this story went on for so long and people are still torn on should we report it or not, that they're not given the proper perspective and context every time they bring up Brandon Miller's name. You're right. There are no speed bumps. They're just flying through it. Brandon Miller, part of a murder investigation, found not charged, not even found not guilty, not charged, nothing. But they don't get to those details. They just say Brandon Miller, part of this, was under suspicion of, etc. So it kind of ties them into it, even loosely, to something that, frankly, he was never charged for. Give you that one. Let's talk about my man at Lano Grigsby. 1367 who says she criticized a dead man if you're black she gonna bring up something that happened 33 years ago like it happened yesterday y'all stupid i heard nothing about miles leonard since he got back in the league from her ah let's give up a couple more at almond shackleford 3066 that's why i like riley wiley that's me it's not black or white it's right or wrong right and wrong has no color and here's the last one before i get into my take at Omar Ramon Lopez. Sucker there got two first names. Strike one, Ime Adoka. Strike two, Kendrick Perkins. Strike three, Stephen A. Smith. And Jalen Rose was a fake incident. <laughs> okay. Let me tell y'all what I feel about Malika Andrews. And it's interesting. Let me first protect her before I come at her. She covers the NBA. And from what I've seen, all of her criticism is about NBA players and anybody who covers the NBA. Stephen A. Smith has to get thrown into that. Okay, so now you're covering the NBA, which is major, majority black. Uh-oh. You know what that's going to just naturally lean you into doing? When you're praising, you're praising black people. When you're criticizing, guess who you're criticizing too? Black people, because I saw a lot of the comments said she only does this or she does it with extra spice to black people. Well, her job, her pool of candidates largely are black people. Now, you brought up Miles Leonard, which is real. I don't watch every show she does. I don't know if she's really going there or not. But in that situation, I do know it's leading her to be hypercritical of black people because she has to criticize mostly black people. All right, now, here's the problem with her, though. <laughs> her criticism does seem condescending, and it's laced with, like, some grandstanding. Point, case in point, when she got on Stephen A's first take, and when she was on his show, and she thought she was about to run something, and he had to just, he was, he, I didn't even see, he was just like, wait a minute, what are you talking about right here? I understand you got a point to make. 
And I respect that you want to make that point. I'm going to respect you by allowing you to make that point within respect. <laughs> the respect seemed like to fly out the window because she thought her point was greater, grander, grandstanding. I, I smell that with her. Um, the other point about her is just the fact that, look, she's in a position where a lot of people feel like, where'd she come from? How'd she get here? And then your love for Rachel Nichols makes you just say, I got to pick one, uh, et cetera. And her sister's in a position where you're like, where'd she come from? How'd she get that? And that's why I think is going on with Malika Andrews. Uh, I watched the show. I like Richard Jefferson. Uh, I like Kendrick. I like, I think their show actually is more fun than the actual studio show when they're doing the big games, right? I think that one's a little more interactive and crazy and looser more fun. If you're going to try and close the gap between them and what's happening at TNT, which is going to be impossible, but I think they got a better chance of the way that they do it. But that said, boy, y'all will light Malika up in those comments. And I do feel y'all on that respect that look, when you come in hot with your topics, when you come in hot with your narrative respect that you're not always right. Okay. Now let's get into Wiley's world as we normally see it. Right now, we got us a Hall of Famer, Adrian Carr, who's in the building. So let's bring Adrian Carr in here and let's see what he got on his chest. Adrian, what's up, big dog? Another day, another Adrian comment. Let's hear it, brother. Hey, man, I got a few um, good ones for you. Um, kind of deep here a little bit, so let's dive into it. Let's do so, it. So in the offseason, off how easy is it to improve on your in-game skills when you're playing ball? Do all players Great have question. access to these like resources, or is it just the top echelon of players? And uh, let's give give us some insight into that process. All right, I love that. I love that. Um, let me start this off by saying you better pray that you're not hurt going into the off season because then this is the dynamic. This is what happens. You're not getting better. You're just trying to get back to where you were. Meanwhile, all of your competition that is healthy. Is getting better so even if you were better than them you are now behind the eight ball because your goal is to just get back to where you were now once you get back to where you were how much time has elapsed between you getting to that place and everyone else who was healthy getting better that's step one step two is when you're in the offseason you got to know how you can attack yourself your game plan needs to be I'm a defender against me what is my weakness? So if I looked at me, my weakness was my hip bend and my, my arms and my handwork wasn't as violent as it could be. So in the off season, martial arts, I would take some of that. Um, in the off season, I would do a lot of yoga and I would do Pilates trying to loosen up my hips. Why did I have tight hips? Partly the way I was born and the way I was constructed, partly because I didn't know about like hip, like hip elasticity till I was older. I was like, what? Your hips can move sideways like that? I was like, I just naturally did it. Then somebody's like, your hips is not as loose as you need them to be. You're a little stiffer than you should be going laterally. Now, I did myself a disservice because I didn't play basketball. You want to know why so many guys stick with basketball even though they know they're not going to the NBA, but they're trying to play football? Because they want that lateral movement, that small space movement. So in the offseason, your game plan has to be what aren't you as good at and attack that. What else you got, Adrian? Okay. Um, on a recent episode of Gilbert Arena's show, he was saying that college basketball is dead because of, because of the results of the draft 
and all the different avenues that players have nowadays. So what do you think about that? Is college basketball dead to rights? Uh, yeah, it's dead. Um, I, I would say this by my own selfish interest, which is very low to any. Uh, I don't care for college basketball before the tournament. And I think there's a majority of people that say that. I hear that a lot. But then when the tournament starts, the thing that gets it going is the brackets and the gambling. And since I don't gamble like that, and the brackets, I don't care because they're never going to be right. <laughs> you ain't got me hooked. You got to hook me with the product. And when I watch college basketball, whoa, that is a bad product. First of all, how many damn perimeter passes must I see before somebody finally attacks down the lane? Pass, 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 fake pass. Go back around the world. Pass again, fake pass. And then I'm like, dog, this zone defense is scaring y'all. <laughs> y'all just attack. And then on, that, on top of that, you can see an aggregate. Guys in college average 13, 15 points a game. Same dude get to the league first year, he averaging 21. <laughs> you know what I mean? He become a perennial all-star. You're like, dog, what happened to you in college? Why would... I had to pass around the perimeter. So I just don't like the game. Uh, the school spirit is fun. Uh, the community is fun. But I ain't going to lie. College basketball, that's pretty low on my list. I kind of. Adrian, I, I, did, I, I, did I did I stun you? Did the cat get your tongue? You got one um, more question? Or get off the screen? What you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got I got, I got one more question. Um, All right, so let's do it. What would you recommend someone who is just learning financial literacy or trying to get into that field, into that avenue? Uh, first, get your what did two shorts say? Uh, buy yourself some money. <laughs> That is hilarious. He said that I think it was one of them songs. Buy you some about money. Get a lot of money. Like a lot of this, a lot of this world, man, is confusing on purpose. People go go into business every day. People go out of business every day. You know the number one reason why businesses fail? And everyone's gonna have a different answer if they're gonna try and be highbrow and intellectual about it. The answer is simple. They run out of money. <laughs> and the second reason why they go out of business is they getting tired of spending good money after something that is not working. Bad money, right? It's a money conversation. So with financial literacy, the first thing you need to do beyond like learning how to work with money is to have some money to work with. And then guess what's going to happen? You're going to attract people because the smartest people, you know, when I, I learned about a CPA, when I got paid, <laughs> you know, when I learned who were the best CPAs and financial planners, when I had money, they are on the hunt. It's like recruiting. Oh, you don't, you want to go to college, but they don't want you be a good football player, be a good basketball player, be a good student. They'll find your ass, right? So I think that the expert level of advice, the next level of like intellectual curiosity with money comes from actually having it. The, the, the billionaire guy's CPA is a whole different animal than the guy you're going to find down at City Hall that's just going on the steps. So you can read book after book, and I think that's great to give yourself a baseline of knowledge. But get you some money, and then with that money, show people who are investing that money and those amounts what you got. You'll climb the ladder a lot different and a lot faster when you have something to offer them. Other than that, anybody who's going to give you free advice is, is going to come from a book. 
and that ain't even free. Anybody's just going to say, I'm going to take time with you and you ain't got no money, you're getting what you pay for. So I'm just trying to give you the shortcut. Maybe the one that kind of hurts a little bit to hear, but in reality, they'll find you if you got it. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, Adrian. You come back on here tomorrow with some more questions, man. You're a smart dude. I don't know where Adrian from. I got to start. I got to start asking him some questions. Adrian be putting me on the spot. He's smarter than me. All right, y'all. Now y'all know it's time for the superstar to come in here. Mikey P time. So let's bring in Mikey P and see what he got on his chest. What up, Mikey P? Ah, Oh, I got Temple on my chest today. That's what I got on my chest. You got owl on you. Ooh, is that how owl sound? Ooh, <laughs> something like that. What sure, do you do, baby? Sure. All right, so I'm going to start you off with a Wiley's World question, okay? This is from mm-hmm. an all-star, at DanMurphy7621. Mr. Wiley, great episode. Here is my question for you. As a huge NBA fan, what are your thoughts on the NBA draft and the abundance of trades recently? And then he said, Go Lakers. Mm. Oh, man, I, I shouldn't even answer this, but in the spirit of the <laughs> go Lakers, um, what I think of the NBA draft, who cares? Like, I mean, I, like, I, I'm not, maybe I'm not the sports enthusiast like y'all are. I did not watch that draft. Once I knew that Wimbayama was going first, and then I was like, all right, I see Scoot Henderson about to go and Brandon Miller. Who the hell got time to be watching like the 18th pick, whatever the <laughs> hell it is. So I, like, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I did not watch no N- NBA draft. And let me, me give too. y'all a little. Oh, you too? Good. Good. Let me give y'all something else too. And this is hilarious because I used to cover the draft for the NFL. A lot of those guys that are covering it, they ain't, they ain't into it either. They got this big old book. Watch their desk. It's this big book, right? And they give it to us full of notes. And all it is is like paragraphs of what to say. When you get to a player, you have no idea who he is, <laughs> no idea where he's from. You have no idea. You have never seen this guy, heard of this guy. You're like, after about pick like 13 for most guys, they tapped out. You imagine a fifth round of the NFL draft cast are like, huh? So whenever they drop all that knowledge, it ain't number regurgitation, ain't number cliff notes. Most of the guys, and I am not lying, because I could raise my hand. Most of the guys who are covering the draft are top heavy. They know what's up at the top. After that. It ain't nothing but Cliff knows. Likewise for me too there. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, yeah. All right, so next I'm going to narrow it down to a trade that actually happened yesterday. The Hawks sent John Collins to the Jazz, and the Hawks are quote-unquote open for business, okay? So they're saying that everybody but Trey Young and Clint Capella are available. But I'm going to ask you the hard question here. Should the Hawks blow it up and trade Trey Young? No, I think Trey Young is getting a bad rap, um, in part because of how he got here. Um, he hit the ground running a little too fast for everyone's liking because you go to Atlanta, and the expectations are lower in Atlanta. Let's just be real. And then he had them suckers. What was that, the Eastern Conference Finals one year? Uh, and then when he got there, everybody was like, oh, Trey Young can carry this thing, but that was lightning in the bottle. But now that's the expectation. So now we're looking at him more of a disappointment despite him still being great. So I always give this example. I'm going to give it to you again. Trey Young did it the wrong way. If you want to talk about expectations, he did it the right way because, hey, if I could ball, I'm a ball. 
There's two players, two defensive ends, and both of them have 15 sacks. Which one you think is a better player? It should be. They both got 15 sacks. They the same player. But let's see how they got there. Year one, 10 sacks. Year two, five sacks. Year three, zero sacks. The other guy, year one, zero sacks. Year two, five sacks. Year three, 10 sacks. Everybody gonna go with the 10 sack dude, right? What have you done for me lately? But they got to the same place. Who knows what they'll be going for? Don't blow it up. Keep Trey Young. Love the analogy. He just needs some help. He needs some help. All right? That part. And last, I got a game for you, okay? It's that time of year again. Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement is coming up, okay? So I got yeah. two players here. I want to know whether or not they're Hall of Famers in your eyes, okay? These guys are kind of on the fringe, all right? I'm going to read you the numbers. First, I'm starting off with Fred Taylor. Who says Angie, my numbers Angie. were better? <laughs> he says my numbers were better than the majority of the backs that ever played this game. Guys have made arguments for me. Players that are in the Hall of Fame. Here's the stats: one-time Pro Bowler, eleven thousand six hundred ninety-five rushing yards, seventeenth all-time. He's sixty-six all-time in TDs. He's twenty-six all-time with seventy-six point four rushing yards per game. And he's got 4.6 yards per attempt. That's 32nd all time. Hall of Fame or no, Fred Taylor? What do you think? All right, let me preface this. I got in trouble because I did this before on Dan Patrick's show. And when mm -hmm. I answered it, I was answering it because are they going to get in? That's a different conversation versus are they really a Hall of Famer? Because the Hall of Fame is all over the place. One Case in point, T.O. was a third ballot Hall of Famer. When he retired, he was second or first in a lot of categories. Like, how you third ballot and you top three all time? <laughs> so, yeah, let right. me answer this. Are you getting in more so than you a Hall of Famer? Because I played with Fred Taylor. That's my dog, actually. Still talk to him to this day. Fred Taylor, yes, he's a Hall of Famer. However, is he going to get in? I, you know what I really feel? It ain't even by the numbers anymore. It's a story that has exhausted itself in terms of pursuing Hall of Fame, that either he's going to be like, who is it, Calvin Hill or something? Not Calvin Hill, or Drew Pearson. Like, it's just going to take forever. Like, the last chance you can get in forever, 38th ballot, or you're not getting in at all. And who's going to hold their breath that long outside of Fred Taylor thinking that? I don't, th I don't think he gets in as the short of it. I think he should be in. Fred Taylor was special. Now, it, it was shorter, injuries, whatever, Jacksonville, off the right, whatever you want to say it. But Fred Taylor, whoo, he a Hall of Famer by game, but maybe not by status. Consistently a beast on a bad team. Unfortunately, that's going to be the rap, you know. He didn't win Damn. enough in their eyes, and that's sometimes weighed a little too heavily. All right, mm -hmm. player number two. This guy was a winner, but he's on the fringe statistically, all right? Rod Smith, another one of your boys, I believe. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, he says, I feel I'm deserving, but I don't get to vote. Here are the stats. Eight seasons with 1,000-plus receiving yards. Uh, he's 34th all-time in receiving yards with 11,389. Two Super Bowls. He played a key role on both of those teams. Three Pro Bowls, two-time first-team All-Pro selection. Here's the thing. He's 34th in yards. Are there 34 receivers in the Hall of Fame? 
And if, if the top 34 in, put Rod Smith in too. Rod Smith, I played against him. I played against him when he was in Denver and they won that back-to-back championships. I was in Buffalo. They was impossible to stop, it felt like. They were tilting. Him, oh man, you had uh, John Elway, obviously, played some good defense. Terrell Davis, goodness, it was hard to beat those boys. And they won it back-to-back. Rod Smith was the best receiver. They had Shannon Sharp too, which was like weird because Shannon got all this love and credit because he was a receiving tight end. So he was like an anomaly to everybody. Like, what the hell? But Rod Smith was a dude. Ah, that said, I, I just don't have a good comp. I don't know if they put in, who did they put in worse? Because that's what I would need for Rod. Even though he's my boy, I can't lie. I can't lie. He was damn good. He was better than me. He was sick. He was one of the best receivers in the game. But that ain't Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame is like, that you, you can't tell the story of the NFL without mentioning this guy in some capacity. I ain't. Uh, uh, eight, but 8,000 8, yard receiving years, three Pro Bowls, and two all pros. They usually say you need six Pro Bowls to be in. He ain't get that. The yards 34 all time, I don't know if that's, gr- I mean, it's high as hell, but I don't know if that's great for the Hall of Fame or not. I don't know if there's somebody in there with 40 or not. I would say no. I would say no. I'm struggling to put them in, and every time I put them in, my grandma slapped me. Boy, you better stop lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't, look, here's the real answer. He's not going to get in, I don't think. Now, does he deserve to get in? You can squint your eye and make that case, but I don't think he gets in. Yeah, I think he's probably a little bit closer to get in than Fred Taylor, but I think both are going to get out. Uh, I think they're both not going to get in because here it is. The thing is, is there's other guys that got to get in too. There's a lot of wide receivers that are waiting to get in. Yeah, and man. that's always, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing with the Hall of Fame is, you know, there's other guys that are going to get in ahead of him. And then you're going to weigh him against the group after those guys get in. You're gonna be like, yeah. oh snap! Well, now he don't he don't compare now because you got guys like Calvin Johnson, uh, th- those types that are gonna get in, in any minute now. Um, yeah, that's so. a great point, man. It's just back AB. backlog. It's a log jam right there. So I get what you're saying, Mikey P. Appreciate you, big dog. Much love. Yes, we'll talk it out tomorrow. Um, I don't have those problems. I ain't getting in all the fame, so I don't give a damn how many people getting in. It ain't gonna be me. <laughs> so I ain't tripping. All right, man. We talk to you tomorrow. Let's do it, brother. All right, y'all. Good. Y'all know how we finish every show. We finish it with a Wiley-ism. Shout out to my homeboy, Mark. I know you're listening. I know you're watching. Y'all don't know Mark. I ain't going to say too much about Mark. I grew up with Mark. Mark was a dude that I respected, also feared. I can't lie. But um, is a great dude. And he said that the Wiley-isms get him through his day, man. So... That really hit me because he's older than me. I looked up to him. I also ducked from him like, damn it, don't don't mess with me, Mark. But point being, man, just know that these connect with people and really get them through their day means the world to me. All right, today's Wileyism is take real boulevard to nice street. Y'all know what that means? Take real boulevard to nice street. That basically means who cares if you're going to be nice if you're lying to do it, right? You ever been that person? Just say something. You're pandering. You're just saying anything. And you ain't being real. And then all of a sudden, somebody looks at you and says, oh, that was so sweet, so nice. You're so cool. 
but you ain't really been yourself. You ain't been real to that person. So all this love that they got for you ain't for you. It's for whoever you faking to be. Then one day you're going to wake up. One moment's going to come and it's going to get real. That's why you better take real Boulevard to Nice Street. Because <laughs> if you don't, they got a rude awakening. And worse, you set yourself up for failure and you got a rude awakening, right? And that's what's so funny about job interviews. That's what's so funny about first dates that everybody is trying to just get to Nice Street. I wasn't like that. I was like, dog, I'm taking real Boulevard. I'm going to find out who riding with me. <laughs> oh, ain't nobody here? I don't know. Turn my music up then. Let's bump. Let's go. Let's go. Boop, boop, boop. Hit, them, hit them switches. And if you don't do it that way, then wherever you go, tick tock, tick tock. It's just a matter of time before somebody check your digits. They check your address. Hey, homie, where you from? Where you at? Where you supposed to be? Because you ain't supposed to be here on Nice Street. Not the way you got here. You always got to take real Boulevard to Nice Street. So remember that. I don't give a damn how enticing, how tantalizing it is to get there. Antonio Brown, talking about, oh, man, I'm just going to play because Brady enticed me. Man, take real Boulevard. Be like, Tom, I can't play, man. I'm hurt. See you in two weeks, big dog, in the playoffs. Let's go get this chip again, right? So always remember this. No matter where you want to go, take real Boulevard to nice street. All right, y'all. That'll do it for more to it. Check the show notes for all the information on our topics today. Today! Want to keep the conversation going? Let's talk. Find me on all socials at Marcellus Wiley. More to it is a production of Dan Patrick Productions, Dad Dude Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. The show is executive produced by Dan Patrick, Marcellus Wiley, Paul Anderson, and Nick Pinella. Thanks for all the love, ratings, and subscriptions, and reviews, membership to Wiley's World on YouTube. Keep it coming because there's more coming for more to it. Talk to y'all hella soon. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.